Hello and welcome to the second inaugural recording of the first episode of Ranking 76. I am your host, Eric. Hey, I'm Matt. And we are attempting to rank the most notorious and infamous Western figures in American history. Uh, attempt to. Attempt to. Um, it didn't go that bad. I, I will say it didn't go that bad. I but. was very nervous. It turns out recording in front of a microphone can be very nervous, even though you're in a room by yourself. So I'll get over myself. No one's around. Anyway, we're talking about Billy the Kid today because... Of course we're talking about Billy. He's one of the biggest figures in Western history. Matt, what do you know? What what do you know about Billy the Kid? Everything. <laughs> I know a little bit because we talked about him a little bit. But, um, you know, it's still not a lot, as uh, the people listening will soon find out a little bit. Great. Why? Great. Well, um, what time Should is it? Should we just jump right into it? What 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 time is it there? Uh, it is 10.41 a.m. Oh, well, um, coffee's great, but we're starting a Western podcast, and it does not officially start until you hear this sound. So cheers. Now we've officially started. Um, this is the earliest I've had a beer probably since college. We'll see if I actually finish it. Oh. So, guys, Billy the Kid here. I'm not, I'm not a freshman. Take your iced coffee. <laughs> hey, I love me some coffee. It is good. Okay. Anyway, enough, enough chit-chat. Yeah, Starting I'm ready. Off. I'm ready to learn about uh, Billy the Kid, so before, whenever you're ready, good sir. Before uh, we get started here, uh, do you have a notepad? I do. There is a lot of nicknames, and I don't know if they're cool or not. So I need you to, like, once you hear a nickname, you need to tell me if it's good or not. Because I either think they're the coolest thing, depending on when I read it, or they're the lamest name I've ever heard of. So I need a second opinion. Anyway, we're going to start off with a quote from Bob Bowes Bell. If anyone is familiar with Western history, you likely know Bob Bowes Bell, uh, his quote about Billy is very apt, and from birth to death, almost every facet of his life is completely undocumented. And boy, is that true. Um, Billy is born Henry McCarty. And that's about all we can confirm. He existed as a real person. He was possibly born in New York. He possibly was born in Ireland, but he was definitely born to a Catherine Maybe in 1859. His father, whose name might be Michael, dies before Henry has memories, so he doesn't matter. Henry also has a brother who may be older or younger than him, depending on what census you want to look at. His mother, however, Catherine, is an Irish immigrant, as I just said, move, likely moved because of the Irish potato famine. She might have come over to New York married with Michael or single. Uh, but what is known is that when Henry was very young, Catherine moves them west, first moving to Indianapolis, where she meets a man named William Antrim. The couple live out of wedlock for a time and move farther west, starting in Wichita. Uh, during Sometime during this, so take a pick. Catherine catches tuberculosis. Not entirely sure when she contracts it, but it may have been in New York. 
Uh, it also may explain why the family moves from New York to drier and drier climate. Uh, but after about 18 months of moving around, the family move uh, to Silver City, New Mexico, where William and Catherine are married, Henry with his brother actually witnessing. Billy's childhood to this point is fairly ordinary. He was an average student who said to have had a sharp wit with what they called dancing eyes, eyes that just never stopped moving, uh, which, what's that movie with John Cusack and the crazy guy who keeps going back and forth in his head? He like twitches his eye. It's like uh, they're in a fever dream. Uh, what, anyway, the, point blank, maybe Say not anything? that one. Uh, we'll figure it oh, out. Oh, high fidelity. That might be it. They're in a, like a hotel and it's like a limit and it ends up being just this fat dude with like rapidly moving eyes. Picture him for the three of you who are understanding what I'm saying. Anyway, his eyes would never stop moving. He seemed like a fairly average child. He played pranks on teachers. He put snakes on their desk. He would chase girls away with mice. Uh, Billy is had a very small stature, and because of that, he was bullied. He also apparently had a sweet tooth that ended up causing him to have bad teeth. Historian Jeffrey Weddle would describe him as very anxious to please, willing to take extraordinary risk, and Henry would do anything to prove his worth. Other kids in the school soon realized, soon realized he had genuine courage. One example is when a friend named Whitehill would recall years later that one time him and Billy got into an argument. Billy shoved him into a river and Billy seemed all content to just let his friend down in the river and he likely would have if he wasn't saved by a nearby adult. Later that day... When Whitehill and Henry are continuing their argument for some time, another bully comes up and starts picking on Whitehill, where Billy then turns his edges on the bully. It isn't written down what Billy said, but he is able to save his friend from being picked up, from being beat up. Hey, no one can kill my best friend unless it's me, okay? That's right, as he probably went back to giving him a noogie. <laughs> when Billy wasn't busy drowning his friends in a river, he and his mother would go to dances. This seemed to be one of the two things he really enjoyed in his life. Dancing and the senoritas. Weddle again described him as being unfailingly courteous, especially to the ladies. Like his mother, he was a spirited singer and dancer. He had an alert mind and could come up with a snappy proverb on every occasion. Because he was seemed to be genuine, the Latino population really embraced him uh, at an early age. This would come in very helpful later in his life. Billy, in turn, loved the Latino women. Paulita Maxwell, who would very well be the love of his life, said of Billy years later, Billy uh, said, quote, Billy the kid, may I tell you, fascinated many women. Like a sailor, he had a sweetheart in every port to call. And in every Pecos, some little senorita was proud to be his lover. True gentleman. True gentleman. So, it's not all ordinary for Billy, though. He does plan his first robbery. It's a fairly small-scale operation, admittedly. But he basically wanted to steal some costume jewelry from a candy stand. And because I'm a 33-year-old man, I had to look up what costume jewelry is. It's like the fake it's jewelry. Like, that yeah, the, like they use in like plays and stuff, right? Yeah, well, I had to look like, it up. 
you go to the store and get uh like mommy i want the necklace oh, okay yeah here's some fake jewels yes i have at it first of many fake jewels young young lady you'll get in your life <laughs> uh a very disappointed catherine his mother warned her son with maybe a little bit of foreshadowing that he would be hung before he was 21 years old, which seems pretty heavy for a teen, doesn't it? Like you stole. His mom said that to him. His mom supposedly said that to him. Listen, son, you're going to be killed. You just stole a piece of plastic jewelry. You will be murdered one day. (laughs) They're coming for you. Henry's stepfather, William, Start spending less and less time with his family and his stepchildren, possibly prospecting for gold. While he is away, Catherine unfortunately succumbs to tuberculosis and dies in May of 1874. William is not... She lived quite a bit. She lived quite a bit with that. She gives it a go, which I don't know how... I need to probably look up how long tuberculosis takes to set in, but even like Doc Holliday lasted a while. So I don't know, maybe the... The climate, I don't know um, how long tuberculosis takes to set in. It probably also depends on your case, but yeah, I don't know. She gave it a while, especially like that had to be a miserable life, knowing that you're going to die of this horrible disease. Um, so anyway. Well, um, just uh, using the old think tank, the old noggin here. Um, we heard you typing. Google. Um, yeah, yeah. We, heard, we heard you typing. Don't. Uh, it can take about uh, two to five years. Oh, how terrible. Thank God we have that cured. So anyway, William uh, is not present even for the funeral. William is still pretty young himself. Maybe not equipped to hand- raise two young boys who he honestly hasn't spent that much time with. Uh, maybe dreaming of all the gold he is about to pick up, effectively abandons both boys, making them orphans. For the next year or so, Henry and I'm assuming his brother is there, but they don't really mention his brother, but he existed, his older and younger brother. Uh, They're taken into a boarding house in exchange for some work. They live there for approximately a year, and Henry starts to act out a bit. He is caught. He is caught stealing several pounds of butter. Hey, he's moving up in the world. You know, it started with fake jewelry. Now he's on to you know butter. Now butter. Do you think he got some jewelry like stuck on his finger and he needed? Yeah, the he couldn't get his like, ring. Couldn't get the diamond ring off, off. or the fake diamond. Come on. <laughs> Very bony fingers. That would be ironic. We'll see why him not being able to get off. Uh, a, a fake ring will be ironic in a little bit here. Uh, he is released on promise of good behavior. He seems to just be a fairly mischievous teen. Obviously, he just lost his mother. He's halfway around a continent. He doesn't know anyone. His father abandoned him. His biological father is dead. Like He's drifting to a point. So it is showing that he's starting to hang out with the wrong crowd. That wrong crowd has a name. And that name is George Schaefer. George, though, had a love for a very distinctive piece of Mexican headwear and loved it so much that he probably gave himself a nickname of Sombrero Jack. That's the first nickname. I'm going to need a judgment here. Scale of one to ten. 
Uh, sombrero Jack. Ugh. I'm going to say maybe a three. I mean, I, I love a good sombrero, but why are you Sombrero Jack? Or were you known to walk around with sombreros or what? That's exactly it. I think he just liked it. He looked in the mirror all day. Probably like just constant tongue clicking in the mirror. God, I'm sexy. <laughs> so they became friends. They did because uh, I think Sombrero was more of a mentor to Billy. I also think uh, we'll see Sombrero, I think, is going to be using Billy more than anything. Uh, according to the local sheriff in Silver City, Sombrero Jack was known for two things. Strong drink and property theft. He would say every Saturday night, George would get drunk, uh, would get drunk and he would go steal. He thought a lot of Billy and Billy used to follow him around. The fellow George liked to steal, and he had a mania to steal, and he was always stealing. What seemed to be a typical Saturday night for him, Jack breaks into a Chinese laundry. And he makes off with a pair of revolvers, some blankets, clothing. Total loot coming out to around $200, which is not insignificant, but not the biggest haul that we're going to see. Jack hides his booty in a mill outside of town and asks Henry to possibly keep the stash inside of town just for easier access and promises that Henry can have some of the new clothes. Henry likely thinking it'd be cool to have some new clothes on his back agrees to do so. A couple days later, after cleaning his room, the operator of the boarding house discovers some of the missing clothes and stashed the trunk and stashed in a trunk in Henry's room. She hurries off to the sheriff telling, telling him that Henry had actually been seen wearing some of the stolen clothing, and hiding more of it in her boarding house. The sheriff quickly collects Henry and places him in a jail cell. The sheriff, understanding this teenager might be at a crossroads in his life, uh, was planning on really releasing Henry with a slap on the wrist. Part of the problem is because New Mexico, even to this day, isn't well populated. Back in then, you had basically a roving judge and it might take up to three months for the judge to enter your town. That's when everybody got uh, their sentencing, whatever. Well, Billy would have to sit in the cell until the judge showed up effectively. And when you're an early teen, three months, Jesus Christ, does that seem like an awfully long time? Well, seems- imagine doing like something so petty. And then all of a sudden, well, <laughs> I mean, I could let you go, but we got to wait for the judge. And he just left. So I'll see you in about three months. Yep. Good luck. Yeah. I don't know. I'd be. I'm impatient as it is. If I don't have, if an app doesn't work properly, I get irritated. But that's the millennial in me. Henry has a few other ideas other than waiting in this jail cell. Maybe showing some charisma, maybe showing some of his uh, his cleverness. He complains to the ju- to the sheriff one day that the jailer was treating him roughly and kept him in solitary confinement in his cell without any exercise all day. The sheriff then allows Henry to remain in the corridor outside the cell each morning. What a guy. You don't get to stay in your cell. You can stay in the hallway outside your cell. Is that better? Somehow that's better. Literally the first day Henry is allowed to stay in the corridor. He is taken out of the cell. 
He's placed in the corridor for 30 minutes. The jailer locks the door, leaves, comes back, unlocks the door to to hope to see Henry, and there's no one in the jail. The jailer looks around, panicked. He runs outside the jail cell, or the jail, and finds a man who I actually picture, you know, like the Muppets, like the two guys that heckle? Yeah, and from the opera. I'm picturing both of them like laughing, like, oh, who are you looking for? The ha ha ha, whatever. That's a terrible, that's a terrible uh, impersonation. But anyway, he sees a man on the ridge, and the man says, who are you looking for? The jailer respond back to prisoner. And the two old men in the balcony say, it came out of the chimney. A very puzzled jailer uh, runs back into the, into, the, into the jail. He looks up, goes over to the chimney, and sure enough, he can see imprints of Henry's hands and elbows as he climbed out of the chimney. He effectively pulled a reverse Santa the old, and escaped no. jail. Gotta love the old reverse Santa. <laughs> Which sounds dirty. Now that I've said that, there's just... Ooh, you did that reverse Santa, didn't you? Oh, God. <laughs> this just got taken. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Santa's real, everyone. If you have any children in there, don't explain that joke to them. Uh, the chimney hole. Oh, God. That is actually on my nose. The chimney itself did not appear as large as his arm, as the jailer's arm. Henry just squeezed his body up and was able to escape. This is prison break number one. When you're looking at getting three months in the old slammer, I'd probably try some stuff too. The next morning, a story of Henry's escape appears in the Silver City Herald. I believe this is where it's, this is where Henry McCarty as his real name exists there's a lot of different origin stories on billy especially after he dies uh, he's eventually goes by billy bonnie and the, there is a theory that he is actually a descendant of the irish pirate and bonnie calico jack fame uh not a whole lot of evidence but it sounds cool chances are he just picked the name because he needed an alias later on but is this the only time we see uh henry as his name in the book in the history book no so if you look at the i gotta if i'm remembering it right when he witnessed his mother getting married to antrim he and his brother witnessed they actually signed the the document or they're listed on there and i think they put henry in there but i probably need to uh really confirm that but so in the so back in the in the old in the old western days uh you could just have a little kid be your witness just well i mean you're gonna get married anyway it's just i think it was a they're part of this family like let's have them sign it because ooh, isn't it cute they're fine they're signing it kind of thing. we're a family yes <laughs> we're a family kind of mommy's dying oh please be my new daddy you're not gonna be my new daddy so it was in the um so it was in the papers that Henry escaped. Henry escaped, yes. Uh quote Henry McCarty, who was arrested on Thursday to com- and committed to jail to await action of the grand jury upon charges of stealing clothes from Charlie's son and Sam Chung, 
escaped from prison yesterday through the chimney, it is believed that Henry was simply a tool of Sombero Jack, who done who had done the stealing whilst Henry had done the hiding. Jack was skinned out, and then it just stops. So this is one of the other period of Henry's life where there's a big gap that's not really confirmed of what he's doing. There is a rumor that he did visit his stepfather, William, one final time and told him that he had just caught been caught stealing clothes. He just escaped jail. And then William is to have basically disowned him, that he wanted nothing to do with Billy because he had just broken out of jail. In my opinion, it seems like that was just a convenient excuse for William to completely wash his hands of Billy because he didn't want him to begin with. So having someone go down the... Now he's got an excuse to actually get rid of him. Right. And now he can just do whatever. Now he can feel better about about that again. I don't know that. That's just how I took it. Billy was still, what, a teenager at this point? Yes. So he was going to look for some advice, and his stepfather was just like, yeah, stop showing up around here, kid. Get out of here. There is definitely a trend in his life of he just, I don't want to say he needs like a strong male influence, but like, damn it, does he seem to want like a father figure or like just someone to call a family. It just seems like that's what he's trying to chase, but and you'll you'll see what we're talking about in a bit. So William boot so William gave him the boot. So then what? Two years pass. Ah, <laughs> oh, so he just lays low for two years, or just nothing recorded and nothing's recorded. But like obviously, after he dies, he there's a few more um, like stories of stories what he can do. But up. it's all after he dies. It goes like there is a crime three states over. Well, it was Billy the kid because right. we don't know what he was doing, type thing. Um. Let's just go ahead and attach his name to right. any crime for times that he wasn't. Okay. When he Got does it. pop up again, he ends up uh, fleeing to Arizona and he meets up with two other local criminals who were recently discharged from the Calvary near Camp Grant. The trio soon are stealing horses. Uh, they would wait for their potential victims to enter saloons and then they would slip their hands into the saddlebags or just steal the horse completely. Henry, for the third time that we know of, is caught stealing with his hand in a saddlebag one day. In an attempt to flee, Henry throws salt in the guard's face. Don't know where he gets the salt. Don't know if he had it in his pocket. I was going to say he keeps it in his pocket. Huzzah! Next to the fake jewelry and the butter. Then he has his salt. It's turning into like, what if it's like a little like bat, uh, like the Batman utility belt? I'm just trying to make some cookies. <laughs> Salt and cookies. Yeah, you get a little pinch. You always do a little pinch. Sure, sure we do. Uh, so Henry threw salt in the guard's face, and the uh, the guard just kind of, I don't know, probably thought it was annoying. Billy is soon caught, um, and he is put into shackles. He is put into local jail. He is briefly put into jail, but because Billy is approximately 90 pounds and they didn't quite look up how skinny Billy was versus how wide the bars are, it is thought that he literally just slipped through the bars of the jail and escaped. I'm just picturing one of those like movies where the person's like, they're arguing how to get out and then they just notice that they can just, the doors open. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, my, my bad. Oh no. Almost like you, it's too hard to believe, but it's after you have like a really good plan to escape. And then like, you're almost disappointed that the door, like, Oh, they just had to open the door. Can we I'm still get the, the guard over here? You're going to hit him over the head with this, this bar that we found. With salt. Well, I'm going to steal his keys. Yeah. Billy, I have salt. Billy, enough with the salt. For God's sake, that didn't work the first time. Put the salt down. So he literally just, it's thought that he literally just squeezed through the bars and left. Yes. Just, yeah, squeezed out. Um, He was also able to slip the handcuffs off because, again, small frame. It's not like handcuffs where it's the latch uh, that we have today. It's basically a big horseshoe shape with a straight bar and then you tighten it. So. That's a little bit, I don't want to say more acceptable for him, but um, for him to leave, to be able to leave or to break free. But um, that's what is believed that that happens. So uh, Billy, who apparently is not learning lessons, he continues stealing horses. He continues going to dances and he starts gambling. In the gambling halls, Henry crosses paths with the local blacksmith, another survivor of the Irish famine. Uh, this man name is Frank Cahill. Frank gains an incredibly unfortunate nickname, Windy, because he is prone to telling tall stories, which at that time was called Windies. Matt, where does that rank on the uh, nickname cool factor? Ooh, well, Some it sounds bro- like he passes gas a lot, so I'm going to go ahead and say probably like a good 3 out of 10 for me. So he's up there with Sombrero Jack. Same score. A little bit, little bit better than, uh, or a little bit worse. I'm I was about sorry, to say, there's no way sombrero, that's bad. Sombrero Jack. I mean, I don't know which ones are cool. I know that one's bad. That's just... And, and, and from experience, I know if you tell a lot of tall tales, people are going to, you know, just never believe anything you say. We all know that guy. <laughs> there is a short description of Billy, who actually adopts the name Kid Antrim. That's another nickname to rank. Kid Kid Antrim? Yes. Oh, that's that's his uh, stepdad's name, though. Correct. It, was he just like I'm going to get this? I'm going to get him back by being associated with them. I think so. That's how I took it. As well, if you don't want anything to do to me, if I'm going to get caught in jail and throw salt in people's eyes, or you know, it could be in a uh, him of being like, I really want a family. Yeah, please accept me. I need attention. This is a cry for help. He'll see this in the papers and know I still love him. <laughs> So Henry joins a, a poker game uh, with Frank, with Cahill, with Wendy Cahill. Um, backstory, Cahill was the blacksmith. It's rumored that the shackles Billy broke from were actually made from Cahill, which might actually explain some of the tension or some of the actions Wendy had towards Billy. Either way, it just seems like Cahill was kind of an asshole as of like Biff from Back to the Future type bully. Uh, I think he just enjoyed picking on him because he could. So they sit down at a poker game and through drinks and just through the course of the night, Cahill has the audacity to call Billy. Are you ready for this? A pimp. You pimp. (gasps) Mother effer. Oh, before we get into that. So before he's calling him pimp, apparently Billy Came into town, this is a direct quote, came into town dressed like a country Jake with his, quote, store pants on and shoes instead of boots. How dare you buy pants from a store? How dare you wear shoes? 
He wore a six gun stuffed in his trousers, which again, sounds dirty. We're going back to reverse Santa. And he dared enter that saloon dressed like that. So again, they're talking. He's also known to be wearing scars, brightly colored scars at this point. Pretty easy fodder for any bully who sees a small child uh, wearing brightly colored scarf. During the course of the night, the two start talking trash. Cahill calls him a pimp. Billy responds by calling him a son of a And just to show you how easy it is for two men to start fighting in the 1870s America, Cahill tackles Billy and easily overpowers him, takes him to the ground, starts beating on him. A crowd gather around the two men who were fighting. Billy is crying out, you are hurting me. Let me up. Cahill responded with, I want to hurt you. That's why I have you down. Dot, dot, dot. McFly. Who you calling chicken? Billy struggles to find any advantage. He is able to free one arm enough and is able to actually get a hold of his gun during the struggle. Maybe it was a bit of a panic. Billy pulls the trigger and shoots Cahill in the belly. And for a man who's nicknamed Wendy, I would like to imagine all. (laughs) So as, as the wind is passing through Wendy, uh, Billy panics. He just shot a guy. He steals a horse and flees. Uh, Not really knowing how the law would react. He has a plausible, uh, the way laws are, you probably can get away with self-defense, but Cahill didn't have a gun, so you don't really know. Billy's also um, threw salt in a man's eyes and stole horses, so maybe they just want to get rid of him. So there is a legitimate worry for Billy. He's already been in trouble with the law multiple times at this point. It's not looking good for him. Yep. So he flees. Cahill actually lives for a couple of days and writes in his final statement, I, Frank Cahill, being convinced that I am about to die, do make the following my final statement. My name is Frank P. Cahill. I was born in the country of Galway, Ireland yesterday. Uh, Galway, Ireland. Yesterday, August 17th, 1877, I I had trouble with Henry Antrim, otherwise known as Kid, during which he shot me and I had called him a pimp and he had called me a son of a... We then took a hold of each other. I did not hit him, I think. I saw him go for his pistol and tried to get a hold of it, but could not, and he shot me in the belly. I have a sister named Margaret, blah, 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 blah. I'm dying. Uh, Cahill, eventually all of the wind leaves his stomach, and he dies soon after. So... He had he was dying and he had time to write out like a very, very long letter of exactly what happened. It's only a couple of lines. It's five or six lines on there. And it could have also been dictated like he could have been talking. I don't know if he physically. I'm assuming he would have had to have been talking to someone who was writing it down if he was shot in the stomach. Mm hmm. Being gut shot sounds like it would be the absolute worst way, not the absolute worst way to die, but pretty brutal. Well, I mean, especially uh, back then, I mean, it's right. not like there's just an operating room. No. That they could go and patch you up. Just, yeah, just liquor is about what you can do. You dull the pain um, or just hope you die. But yeah, being gut shot would be real nasty. So Wendy um, has passed away. 
Ah, he's got puns. He's got puns. Uh, A few days after Cahill dies, a traveler leading a horse minus the saddle and bridle show up in town. Apparently, Henry had found the rider uh, riding into horse, riding into town, and asked him to return the horse to his owner. Isn't that sweet? He returned the horse he stole as he was fleeing. Is that story made up? Probably. But doesn't it sound nice? What a guy. He didn't want to... The guy didn't want him to go down for stealing his horse, too. So That's true. He just randomly rode back into town. What a guy. So, Billy, you know the other uh, long-term, another part in his life where you don't know what happens? This is another one. What is known, either a couple months later or a couple years later, Billy ends up returning to New Mexico and specifically to Lincoln County. Lincoln County, I don't, it's not known how much Billy knows about what was going on in Lincoln County, New Mexico. Uh, if he probably wasn't all aware of who ran the territory, but he does change his name finally to William Bonnie. So we can now start calling him Billy. Okay. I was wondering where he got, where we caught Billy from Henry. So now it's, yeah, he, now it's coming together. It's coming together. New Mexico, Billy is uh, the Mexico Billy is walking into is a little different. Florence Murphy and James Dolan are two Irish ranchers who have really taken over the county. Little money is spent or traded without them having direct knowledge of it or having some type of hand in it. Judges, sheriffs, and railroads, and anyone in the county effectively reports to Murphy and Jimmy Dolan. This faction is collectively known as the House. Now that's a pretty good nickname. I'm a fan of that. I'm a fan of that. I'm gonna say that's the the cool like. Uh, I'm part of the house. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's an eight out of ten. I feel me. like he then snaps his fingers and points at the camera. The house. <laughs> Moving into Lincoln County was a well-off Englishman named John Tunstall. Tunstall has a lot of money and is willing to use it. He buys enough ranch land to catch the eye of the house. Maybe because rich men do not like competition or it is their bound duty to fight for the English and the Irish to fight, the two stack factions start building up cowboys. Tunstall makes it known that any that any ranch hands that are being hired need to be very handy with a rifle. A fight is coming. Billy adjusting to life after killing this first man, starts a friendship with some of the members of the house and once again steals horses. And once again is caught stealing horses. For the love of God, Billy, stop stealing. You like suck at it. the worst criminal. I You're swear, real everything bad. he steals, he just gets caught. It just, it's real bad. One of these horses belonged to John Tunstall. Billy is taken to the Lincoln County Jail, which turns out to be more dungeon, and if we're being really honest, a glorified hole in the ground. Billy receives a visitor, and it's John Tunstall. The guy he Billy just stole is, from. The guy he just stole from. Billy is soon released with all charges dropped. And not long after that, Tunstall is now paying Billy. 
It's not known if Tunstall paid off or dropped the charges. It's not really known why. He may have just taken a liking to Billy, or he may have had a Machiavellian ends justify the means. Let's take from the house and help ours. He's very handy with a gun. He seems to be a good ally, impressionable kid. I mean, he probably went up to him and went, you work for me now, kid. You work for me. He's English, but I do like the enthusiasm. Can you do an English accent and... You work for I me want... now, buddy. I don't know what's... Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. I think we just lost any UK listener. I think... Um, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's too late. It's too late. Anyway... Regardless of how Tunstall felt, Billy really takes a liking to Tunstall. Later saying that Tunstall was the only man who treated me like I was decent and white. Which makes you cringe a little bit. If he could have just left off the white part, like that would have been... It was fine. Life is looking pretty good for Billy. Seems like he might have a real prospect at a life. He might have a legitimate father figure. Keep in mind, his mother... Dead. Biological father. Dead. Uh, stepfather. Dead. Sombrero Jack. Still looking in a mirror. Brother. He, may or may not be older. The brother, is he's there somewhere. I don't know if they keep in contact. So, yeah. Father figure achieved. Life is looking pretty good for Billy. It seems like he has real prospects out of life for the first time since his mother died. Possibly a life that didn't require illegal actions, and let's hope never stealing a horse again. But then the very dramatic court battles started by the house start to pop up. Something Billy probably didn't mind much attention to, but because the house effectively owned the county, it starts to drain Tunstall's money. He is forced to mortgage his store, his land, and all of his livestock. He even transfers money to an ally in Santa Fe in order to keep the local sheriff from repossessing everything. Knowing this, a judge orders the seizure of all of Tunsil's property and hands the responsibility to collect to Sheriff William Brady. Brady, who who, not surprisingly is also allied with the house, is more than happy to do so. After breakfast on February 18th, Tunstall, Billy, and a few others leave the ranch bound for Santa Fe to hand over uh, some of the repossessed cattle. A posse deputized by Brady rode into Tunstall's ranch, realized the posse had already left. Brady and his posse were holding documents to seize all of the livestock ordered by the court. When they realized Tunstall was on his way to hand the livestock over to his friend, Brady and the Brady and his posse leave and catch up with them. In the group, again, is Tunstall, Billy, and a small group of ranch hands. Sheriff Brady calls out to Tunstall to come over. Tunstall, thinking he is in no clear danger. I mean, it's the sheriff. He's here to protect me. As Tunstall drew near, the perfectly named Buck Morton. Pretty sure he's a professional wrestler. Leveled his rifle and shot the Englishman through the upper chest. Jeez. Tunstall uh, tumbled from his horse to the ground. 
And as he was gravely wounding, thrashing about, Tom Hill, another man in Brady's party, dismounted, picked up Tunstall's pistol, shot him point blank in the back of the head. Executioner style. Yes, it was. Hit. Hill then shot and killed Tunstall's horse, who Tunstall really liked his prize horse. They then, as a joke, quote, made his body, neatly covered it with a blanket, and the bloody head as pillowed and folded over his overcoat. They basically made it look like the Tunstall and the horse were sleeping together. Like, they were sleeping. Like they were taking a nap, but they were obviously just just dead. Right. If you're keeping count again, that's another father figure that Billy just lost. Billy also just likely lost the best chance for a normal life and in the worst possible way. If this isn't Bruce Wayne turning into Batman, this is not a better comparison. Even paying his respects a couple days later to John Tunstall, Billy is to have said... I will get some of them before I die and walked out of the room. So what happened? So after he walked away, where did Billy and the ranch hands, did they just like sit there and watch it all happen and then walked away or? So they kind of hid behind a bush and warned Tunstall not to go because he's going to shoot you. Do not go. Tunstall, maybe with some air, Tunstall's only like 24, 25. Uh, It's not clear how, He's not really like the guy that gets his hands dirty. Like he has two other partners that are that basically do all of the the shady stuff he can't get caught doing. Um he thinks will he's be, fine. He thinks he's fine. Strolling over there. He's powerful enough they wouldn't dare shoot me, is how I take it. And let's let's also be clear, because Billy ends up siding with Tunstall. It's very easy to view Tunstall as this hero, this fallen figure, this hero type. If well, the especially roles were, since he was just killed by the house. Right. I don't think there's any question that Tunstall just wanted to be another version of the house. He just wanted to get rid of Doland. Uh, he just wanted to get rid of the house so he could take over the county and probably do a lot of the same things. I don't think there's a big difference between them just happens to be he's on the side of the person we're covering so we like to cheer for Tunstall because damn it he was uh Bruce Wayne's father and now there's an origin story so Billy vowed to get some of the people that killed Tunstall before he died I'll get some before I die as he walked out of the room now again probably not a real quote but it sounds good after the fact doesn't it yeah, I was just gonna say, but damn, if it's not if, if it's not something that happens in a movie, don't you worry. I got this. Cue dramatic music. Cue montage. Cue Batman. Right. <laughs> I'm picturing him in the bat suit the rest of this episode. I don't even care. Be really hot in New Mexico though. So Billy forms a new posse with the ranch hands on Tunstall's faction, and they call themselves the Regulators. Ah, the reg- you know, from Bill, uh, from my time with Billy the Kid in uh, the movie Young Guns, I'm pretty sure they formed a posse and they were called the Regulators. Makes sense now. Hey, that's accurate. It is. You found an accurate. I wonder I'm if Sombrero proud. Jack was in that movie. I'm going to have to look into that. How many Sombreros were there? Oh, it's been a while since I've seen the movie. I think one. 
It's probably him. There can only be one sombrero. So they they form the regulators. They form the regulators, and they appear to kind of be like a Robin Hood leaderless group, all for one. What that's the Three Musketeers. So I screwed that up. But anyway, uh, they're all motivated by Tungstall's killing, and they just want to take on the house. Uh, you do get the sense over the next couple of weeks that the regulators take more damage than they actually do, but they are able to find some of Sheriff Brady's lackeys, those that uh, killed Tunstall. They're able to track them down basically to a brush, into a brush, um, and they have a little bit of a debate on if they're going to kill the two men that were with Brady that day, and eventually they're young men, so they kill him. And it is said that the bodies had seven bullet holes. Each body had seven bullet wounds in it, one for each regulator that killed them. So they're all equally responsible for their deaths. So it's not just one man. If, the, if one of them goes down, they all go down. They're all in this together. They now move on to Sheriff William Brady. The regulators either plot out assassination attempt or having breakfast one day and see an easy opportunity end up hiding behind Tunstall's old store behind a 10-foot adobe wall. At daybreak, Sheriff Brady uh, left the Dolan store and were accompanied by his deputies. They walk down the street and then start back up to the store. After pausing to exchange a few friendly words with the woman in the yard, Brady hurries up to catch up with his men. The regulators poke their Winchesters through the holes carved in the adobe wall and ambush Brady at least... A dozen times. Brady is to have said, Oh Lord, as he attempts to get to his feet. A second volley of shots strikes him dead. The other deputies rest for cover. One bullet hit one. He then laid on the street crying, had to be rescued by a local bar owner who tried to get him to safety. Another deputy was struck and died. And then in an oddly specific phrase, quote, Squire Wilson, no idea who he is, but Squire Wilson, who had recently relieved of his post of justice of the peace and hoeing was hoeing his onions in the backyard across the road from the Tunstall store, survived a stray bullet in his buttocks. Oh, something jumped up and bit me. That's as about to say, that is Bubba. That is Forrest Gump. The war is intensifying. Western historian William Gomer says every son of a bitch wanted to kill someone. After trading gunfire a couple of weeks, Billy and the other regulators ended up trapped in a house that belonged to a man named McSween. They're in a standoff that lasts several hours, exchanging gunfires, but the regulators are not surrendering, realizing that anyone that essentially stepped outside was committing to his death sentence. Sometime in the afternoon, the women and children trapped inside the house are allowed to leave, which all but cements that anyone who surrenders from here on out is going to die. The regulators wait until nightfall, and the, and the house starts to set the McSween place on fire. Billy is said to have rallied everyone inside of the house with a plan to escape. Billy creates a diversion by stepping out of the house gun in each hand, house on fire behind him, likely not knowing just how much of a badass moment this is, Billy is able to escape through nightfall and through the fire and the chaos. 
Not everyone is allowed to leave, though. Those who do surrender are killed on the property. This becomes known as the big killing. Billy goes into hiding for a couple of lives, likely from the Hispanic community. He's likely spending most of his time with Paulita Maxwell, who is 16 years old at this time. M. Scott Mamaday would say that Billy was always looking for a family. He wanted a home, and that was the one thing he could never get. So maybe viewing Paulina Maxwell as his love of his life, he's maybe using his heart when he probably needs to be fleeing. A little bit of a random story. While in hiding, Billy comes across in a saloon. He runs across a cowboy named Texas Red. How cool is Texas Red as a nickname? I like it. I'm going to give it like a six. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Texas Red is a mean drunk with a reputation of being trigger happy. Billy kindly asked to see Texas Red prized pearl handled revolver, and Red is able, uh, Red hands it over easily. The kid saw that there were three shots of the six were in the chamber. Billy then spun the cylinder so that the hammer would strike an empty chamber the next time it was fired and then simply gave the gun back to Texas Red. Later that night, a very drunk uh, Texas Red and Billy get into an argument. Grant made the mistake of drawing on the kid when he was about to leave. Billy heard the hammer click on the empty chamber and whirled around and fired. Before anyone knew what was happening, Texas Red was dead on the floor with three bullets to the chin. One witnessing, one witness saying the spread of the bullets was no longer was no larger than a silver dollar. So he's gotten pretty good at shooting at this point. He's gotten pretty good. <laughs> now, real story? Probably not, but it sounds good. He was very accurate. He was very good with a gun. Don't get me wrong, but it seems like a really romanticized story. So as you would imagine, as the Lincoln County War is intensifying, news gets back to Washington and people out east start to wonder what the hell is going on in New Mexico. President Hayes appoints Lew Wallace, a war hero, to go clean up the mess, make this go away. And he makes him the new governor of New Mexico. Wallace is charged Just with Just like that? That's, that's how it happened? They were territory. Oh, okay. I believe they're a territory. Somebody will correct me. So yes, he's able to just appoint, but think of him as like a peace officer. He needs to go keep the peace type role. Wallace goes down to the state. He holds inquiries, but wouldn't you know, snitches get stitches and nobody is going to testify. No one except for Billy. Billy likely seeing the writing on the wall that there is no winning this war against the house thinks it's time to go straight. Now the regulators are a small group of young men with just revenge on their mind. Brady's dead. They're likely not going to be able to get uh, the house, the main uh, members, Jimmy Dolan. And he, Billy agrees to testify in exchange for a full pardon. The result of Billy's testimony results in indictments on 50 men and over 200 indictments, including Jimmy Doland. Take a guess what Lou Wallace does from here. I'm going to say runs. He leaves. 
He leaves back for the state capitol, expecting the local law enforcement to take care of the indictments, the trials, and the jur- and the judgments. Who runs the county again? The House. Whether Wallace knew it or not, the House had the DA in their pocket. And wouldn't you know, all of the charges against the House were suddenly dropped. And wouldn't you know it, all of the charges against the regulators stuck. Thinking this is for sure the end of the fight, the regulators effectively disband and flee. Billy is one of the few that actually choose to stay. As a result, many claims or many crimes are just blamed on Billy. He is effectively public enemy number one because the house also owns the newspaper. This is where the first time you see Billy the Kid written in newspapers. And it is also around this time that Billy gets that famous picture of him taken of his hand on the gun where he looks all sorts of ugly. Apparently, that photo is not doing him justice. It has been compared to he basically is known through history through his driver's license photo. Paulina Maxwell said that it just didn't do him any justice. He was apparently a pretty good looking young man. He just took a really horrible picture where it looks like he has a snaggle tooth. That picture is also where they get the legend of him being left-handed. It's a tintype print, I believe. And what they don't realize when they found it, that it is actually a mirrored image. So what it looks like, Billy is holding the gun with his left hand. So that's why you see, I believe, Billy the Kid in the 1950s film, he's viewed as left-handed when... It was just a reversed image. He was still I'm definitely looking at the photo right now. And boy, oh boy, is that not a good photo? Nope. Oof, Some, uh, even somebody, you can look it up on Facebook uh, in one of the Wild West groups. And somebody cleaned it up really well, like actually like digitally enhanced and like colored it. He still looks ugly. Like it just, it just had to have been a terrible picture. There's another picture of him on there where he's like playing a game with another guy. And I it looks not, they look day and night apart. They don't even look like the same person. So anyway, Billy stays, again, likely for Polita Maxwell. This is where we need to enter a new character who will play a huge role in the rest of Billy's life. His name is Pat Garrett. And Pat Garrett is looking to make a name for himself and establish himself as a famous lawman. His idol is Wild Bill Hickok, and he is looking to follow in his footsteps. He is tasked with hunting Billy down. Garrett is a very serious, controlling man who is also very effective at what he does. And what he does is hunt down criminals. It doesn't take him long to track down Billy. And they find him in a place called Stinking Springs. Unaware that anyone is near, Billy is in his hideout with his friends. A friend walks out of the house, not knowing that Pat, that Pat Garrett and his posse is just outside. The friend also had the serious mistake of wearing Billy's hat. Oh, no. He takes two steps out of the house and soon has eight new holes in his chest. His dying words being, I wish. Ah. <laughs> oh. Can you imagine that? Hey, I'm going to step outside. I can't find my hat. So can I just use yours quick? Sure. Yep. Go ahead. 
Jesus Christ. Guess I would can't say, wear my hat. Uh, oh, I want the hat back, though. So he's his last words were, I wish. Yes. Don't I know what he was trying take, to say. He was probably going to finish it with, didn't put on that hat. You know, there's a documentary, I said, and I believe it was even Bob, Bob Bozbell said that exact joke. And oh. he seemed real pleased at himself when he said it. It was like, I bet he was going to say <laughs> I wish I didn't wear this hat. And then he like grins at the camera like a creepy uncle. I, I like mean, Bob Bosbell. That was unfair. I'm sorry, Bob. You're never going to listen to this, but I, I like you. You're, you seem like a nice guy. Sorry. So what did Billy do when he saw that his friend had just been shot eight times in the chest? Didn't go outside. <laughs> uh, Billy is in another standoff. He has a few friends inside uh, and they hold themselves inside the house. Enough bullets are fired that eventually Billy and those inside realize there's no hope. They have no food. There's no water and they can't build a fire. They have to surrender. The next day when Billy does surrender to Garrett, Billy is said, hell, Pat. I thought you had 200 Texans out here. Otherwise, I would have never given up. He only had like four or five guys, which I'm sure really royally angered or annoyed Pat Garrett. So Billy is finally captured. I shouldn't say finally because he's been captured quite a bit. (laughs) Only this time he didn't steal anything. He just murdered some people. He's upgraded. And Pat Garrett now has his prize to take into town. For the first time, newspapers are able to talk to Billy. Billy has said to to a newspaper man, this is good. Maybe people, maybe people will think I'm half human. People will only consider me as an animal, and maybe now they'll think I'm at least half human. A reporter would describe the young rogue as someone, not very flatteringly, that there was nothing very mannish about his appearance, for he looked and acted like a schoolboy. Where there was the traditional silky fuzz on his upper lip, and clear blue eyes with a roguish snap about them. Pat Garrett couldn't be happier. Like I said, he has his prize. Billy is loaded up onto a train and set for trial in Santa Fe. A very quick trial is given to Billy, and he is convicted of murder and is given back to Garrett. Surprise, surprise. Who would have thought? <laughs> Pat is then handed Pat then handed Billy off to his deputies a man named J.W. Bell and Bob Ollinger. They have very few instructions. The most important of which is do not under any circumstances let Billy out of your sight. Do not be charmed by him. Do not be tricked by him. Garrett then leaves town thinking everything is fine. A couple days after Pat Garrett leaves, everything is routine. Billy is in jail. He's being watched by all hours of the night. And day, everything is fine. It's the morning of April 28th, 1881. However, Billy asked J.W. Bill to use the outhouse. Everything's fine. Nobody panic. Everything is fine. Bob Ollinger, thinking everything is fine, goes out to lunch. Billy's cell is kept on the second story of the building. Bell leads Billy down a flight of stairs and Billy uses the outhouse. Everything is fine. 
Billy is coming, uses the outhouse, and is coming back up the stairs. When he gets to the top of the stairs, Billy turns around and ambushes Bell. Bell's gun drops out of his hand, and the two wrestle for it. Billy ends up winning and shoots Bell dead. They don't know if Billy had a key hidden in the outhouse or if he was just able to slip his hands out of the handcuffs again, but what is known is what happens next. Billy then goes over and finds Bob Ollinger's shotguns and runs over to his window. Across town, everything is still fine. Ollinger is eating lunch and hears gunshots across town, leaps up, and likely has a pretty good idea what is going on, stands up and is about to go investigate the shots. All doubt is gone when a townsperson screams, the kids killed Bell. Just as Ollinger is crossing the street, he hears from the window above him, he hears Billy's voice in what is probably the most smug you, a human being could possibly look. Billy says, hello, Bob. And unloads both barrels of the shotgun into Ollinger. Ollinger lies dead in the street. That's almost like I can't remember what it, what movie it is, but he's just like uh, pointing a shotgun and he just goes, sup, and then just kills the guy. Yep. I'm just imagining like the half smile, like just smug, just the most like thumbs in his like cocky walk. After the, this is the story about Billy the Kid. This is this. this there's multiple witness forces. This is a very famous story. This is not only in the United States. It actually gets reported in the London Times. So this is a pretty big deal. He's done it again, and it's it's dramatic. There's a great line in there. There's him kind of breaking the odds. He ends up just fleeing off into a horse or fleeing off on horse. But again, his legend is really set because, again, Garrett just paraded Billy as this prize. Look what I did. Look what I accomplished. And the prize just slipped through his grasp. And he did so in a pretty badass way. Right. Billy, you would think by now, just leave. Leave Billy. Go away. Billy doesn't go away. Guess where he goes? To his girl. To his girl. He goes to Polita Maxwell. Turns out Polita has a brother who is not impressed at all that his 16-year-old younger sister has fallen in love with a very famous outlaw. Pete starts giving tips to Pat Garrett, who at this point is, is annoyed strong enough. Is there a strong enough word for how annoyed you would be? He's determined. After a couple weeks, Garrett thinks there might be some smoke to this fire, and he actually heads out to the Maxwell house. Garrett and two men arrive at the Maxwell house under the cover of dark. Garrett stations two of his men at the front of the door. Garrett, however, goes around the back, remains undetected, and hides in Pete's room on the first floor. Sometime during the night, Billy comes downstairs. And they believe he's going to go out and cut off a piece of beef that's hanging on the porch when he sees two silhouettes of the men at the front door. Billy asks, in Spanish, ¿Quién es? ¿Quién es? 
And now I'm just waiting for everyone to remember what that what that actually means in English from sixth grade Spanish. Who's there? Who is it? Oh, who good is job. It? There you go. Good job. Someone yeah. paid attention in fifth grade. Yeah. <laughs> As he's saying KNS, Billy is slowly backing into the doorway of Pete Maxwell's room. Where is Pat Garrett? In Pete's room. The same room where Garrett was waiting with Pete. Billy is literally framed up in the doorway, silhouetted by the moonlight. Garrett is sitting on the bed. Pete Maxwell turns to Garrett and says, LS, or it's him. Garrett fires two shots and is ready to fire a third when he realizes Billy's already dead. He doesn't need to fire a third shot. Billy lays dying, not knowing who killed him. I do think it's a great line, whether it's true or not, but like, I like the, obviously Billy dies. It's very sad for this story, but for Billy to say, who is it in Spanish? And for Pete to effectually say it's him. Like you could say that as it's him who's going to kill you. But what he's really doing, he's telling Pat Garrett that it's, that's Billy. That's him. Well, that was and probably then, the last thing Billy heard. So yes. when he, right after he asked, who is it? It's him. LS, it's him, and then he's just gone. Did he die instantly or? Uh, pretty quick. Because again, it, the way it sounded, Pat Garrett wrote a book. He will get an episode. He wrote a book on how he did. It sounds like he had, he fired two shots pretty rapidly. And then he was ready to fire again when he realized he didn't need to shoot a third time. He was already So it's gone. not like he was going to like overkill him. No, I'm sure it was a headshot. I need to look at exactly what, where it was, but he was, he was gone. Or was he? Like everyone in this series, rumors of him escaping death eventually happen. If you go to his tomb, or if you go to his gravesite now, there is one that says Billy the Kid raised here. It's literally covered in a cage. And like everyone who knows it, the only way that you can keep Billy put in a cage is six feet in the ground and then build the cage over it. It's the only way to keep him contained. There have been multiple calls for New Mexico to exhume the remains that are underneath because people don't believe it was Billy. New Mexico will not exhume the body. Why? Because tourism matters. Why not have a mystery? But anyway, I think we got to rank him. The biggest question I have is what did his girlfriend think of her brother not highly <laughs> he just essentially killed the love of her life yeah she's 16 do you want to know how do you want to be depressed do you yes. know how old billy was 20 21 21 how old are you matt 33 <laughs> feel good about your life oof how to die to what 12 years ago man that's it's brutal he did a lot more than I we mean, did. To be fair, though, he did, you know, he was a bad guy. But that's for the good old ranking, which we will just talk about now. So let's get into the scoring then. For those of you that may have not listened to the previous episodes, we'll go over the scoring, starting with... Are you satisfied? Whoa, 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 whoa. 
basically, if it was a movie, would Eric or I buy a ticket into their life? And let me be honest, I'll, I'll go first. Not that satisfied. I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like his life jumped from all over the uh, all over the place. It's it's crazy to me that he may or may not have been born somewhere else. He may or may not have had a, a younger brother. Um, there was a lot of may or may nots. But as the story went on, you know, um, as often, a lot of things uh, could have been bigger than what they were. So I, I was pretty satisfied. I'm going to go ahead and give him a, 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 an even keel five. What about you, Eric? I guess I was much more impressed. There's a reason I picked Billy for the first episode. Um, if we're viewing this, and again, so what we are doing is we are scoring him. Matt and I can each hand out negative 10 points two positive 10 points, zero being we're dead inside. We felt nothing for this. So Matt is saying that he was moderately impressed with Billy. It surprises me a little bit because I picked Billy for a reason because I thought his story, if this was a movie ticket, uh, was quite good. So I'm now doubt doubting my score because I was ready to go full marks on this one. <laughs> oh, you were about to, you're, you're going to do 10. I was doing 10 because oh, wow. he had, he is a rags to infamous story, not riches. Cause he don't think he really had money. He has an origin story with Tunstall. He has plenty of tragedy. He builds up, he becomes a legend and he has a pretty decent death story. So, and if you go with what Hollywood goes with, or if you go with Hollywood, there is literally a page dedicated on Wikipedia to Billy, the kid's story. Now, the real story versus the legend might be different, but I was ready to go 10, but I'm really I really the reason I, I the reason I went uh in even keel is because I feel like only the latter part of his life was pretty exciting and um I mean, very very interesting, you know, after Tunstall, but before that, you know, it was just, you know, I mean, the guy stole butter. He threw I salt mean, in someone's eyes. <laughs> He's, I mean, <laughs> he reverse santa he was yeah, an escape artist but he also He's, he also snuck through some bars that were bigger because he was skinny he had an advantage exactly he had Haters the advantage. it's hate. not like he it's not like he masterminded a huge escape attempt later in life yeah when you know the last the thing that made him infamous i just i'm gonna stick with my five i'm sticking with my five and you're gonna go ten I'm going 10. Okay. So okay. that is a score of 15. So round two. Be sure you are right. Then go ahead. Basically, was this person good or bad based off of their life and their circumstance? I'm going to go ahead and I'm honestly, I think he, I think Billy worked with what he had, you know, I mean, with his mom dying at a young age, never having that father figure, I'm going to go ahead and give him a positive score. Um, and I'm going to say a seven. We're closer on this one. Not going to lie. The first score, the first round of being five apart. Ooh, boy. I agree. Now I'm thinking like, what? What did he do that was a negative trait, personality trait, right? He threw salt in someone's face. 
that's annoying. I don't know if that makes him bad. But also, I don't think he deserves a full 10 because there's nothing he did that went above and beyond. So my guess or my I'm thinking seven as well. I think that's a good score. We're going with seven. Because so. I, I I feel like uh, he did kill people. I mean, so that's very unhonorable. They, they well, seem very like revenge killing. Though. They seem like justified killings. He was going. He wasn't well, he was taking down the house, right? So yes, he had an enemy. He had a clear goal. He and, just ends up. Losing and it's not like hand. they were the best people either. No, it, I mean it would it's not like he was just, walking around town just blasting people. No, it was he had a clear motivation. Now there is some sources that do think he is a cold-blooded murderer. There is the famous phrase of Billy that he killed 21 men for one year for each day he was alive. Uh we'll get into that in in his counting coup round, but I does it doesn't seem like he's a maniac. It seems like he's young, he's driven by revenge and he has a goal. Um, so, however, speaking of if he was crazy or not, um, let's move into the next round. Someone I need to go kill. Well, who? You are not my target, but keep bothering me and I'll add you to the list. Uh, to hell with the consequences? Was he crazy? Was he good crazy, bad crazy? Uh, was he just completely off the rails? Was he, you know, um, was he clever? And, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, I'm going to go ahead and give him an eight on this one because I feel like he was very clever. I mean, how many times did he break out of, how many times did he break out of jail? I mean, given, you know, he was skinny, climbed up the chimney, walked through the bars. Uh, that last one was, uh, it took some effort. And so I think he, uh, I think he wasn't crazy. I don't think he was crazy at all. Um, nope. I think he knew what he was doing. Although, you know, when he was a kid throwing his best friend in the, the river, might not in the river him. you can argue, you can argue he didn't know what was going on or that the kid, he didn't think his friend was drowning. So I'm going to go ahead and, uh, yeah, give him a, uh, an eight. I think he was pretty clever. Yeah. Uh, that's not a bad score. So thinking how clever he was. I mean, he was a really crappy horse thief, so that's going to lose lose points for me because if he got caught stealing horses at least what three or four times, yeah, uh, he got caught quite a bit. He was just an escape artist. So, do does his ability to escape jail overtake him getting caught in the first every place? every single time he tried to steal something? It seemed like it. Costume jewelry to to butter. But yeah, uh, I, I, I'm a little less impressed. I think I'm going to go with a seven. It's still pretty good because climbing up a chimney. Hello, Bob is just great. I love that line. If I would have found a way to make it a round name, I would have, but no, I think, I think 15 is a good score for Billy there. All right. So what's his uh, overall score for those keeping track? That would be a positive score. I know that. Yep. So he's positive. So what we're going to do is after to hell with the consequences, if their figure is in a positive score, like Billy is, he's going to be 
continue to add points. But let's say Billy wasn't a good character and he was at negative points, we would continue to subtract. So the true bad guys would continue to lose points and the true good guys will continue to gain them. So for this next round of draw, Billy is in a positive score. Right now, he is sitting at a positive score of 44 with three rounds to go. Awesome. So the next round... Draw. How well would we do in a duel or a shootout, I guess? If we got in an argument with Billy, how much trouble are we in? If you ask Texas Red, we're in big trouble. But also, he kind of asked for it. He did draw on him first. I was going to say, well, I mean, from the tourist story, you know, where, I mean, what was it? No smaller than a silver dollar? I think we're in some trouble, and he didn't even hesitate to kill that dude. So if... But, but he was fire, provoked. Right. But, I mean, it wasn't... Well, right, you're saying Texas Red drew first. I'm going to go I, ahead and say... I'm going to say a three. I think we would definitely get wounded, if not killed. I do think... I'm not... And again, what we need to clarify is... A score of zero here is we can talk them out of it. We're not as screwed as we think. A score of five would be maybe they just clip us. Maybe they hit us in the foot. We're just horribly mangled. And then 10 is we're very dead. So what we're judging him on, and I kind of agree with Matt, is if I crossed Billy, if we actually got to the the, the duel, we're dead. We're going to die. But I think we can talk him out of it because all we need to do is just not kill a major figure in his life and i think we'll be fine (laughs) so i feel like i would just i think billy just needs a hug that's all he needed the entire episode is just someone to hug him and to accept him and he just never got it so i i'm gonna go with a two slightly lower than matt so now moving on wait a second which is how well did they hold up throughout history and have we heard of them billy the kid is one of the most well known i feel like as i mentioned before there are a couple movies you know the young gun series and a few more i know of for sure so um, i think he i do i do think i do so like even the nickname the kid this is kind of, I'm not going to say it originated there, but when you put the moniker, the kid on someone, you're drawing back to Billy. Right. I think if you asked anyone, um, if they've even just heard of Billy, the kid, they might not know much about him, but they definitely know of him. So they I'm going to go pretty high on this one. I'm going to say, uh, his legacy, uh, is probably at least an eight. I guess if you put him on a short list, whose name is bigger? So if Billy is an eight, who is your nine and ten? I would say definitely. Um, or who Jesse is more w- well known? Okay. Wyatt Earp. Okay. I can believe that. Just a couple. I'm going slightly higher. You bought me with the. Because I was ready to go 10 on this one because 
he literally has a Wikipedia page of other like filmography that he's been in or adaptations that are on his life. So I think I'm a little bit more impressed, but I am going to do a nine. I'm going to do 9.5 just in case my mood changes for another figure. So you gave him an eight. Yes. 9.5. That is 17. All right, so now the bonus points. Counting coup. So, this is essentially their body count. Uh, Except for with most of these figures, romanticism really takes over on these death counts. So, in order to be fair, we're going to be confirmed-ish kills... And by my count and by a few Google searches, six seem to be the most consistent number for Billy. So what we will do is we will take that score of six, that number will get divided by 10, and he will get a score of 0.6 in this round. Now, one final round to go, and this is just simply, do we think their death deserves an extra bonus point? Did they go down in a blaze of glory? Did they just die of old age? Um, we can give out zero, one, or two points if we choose to. Uh, personally, it's it's fine. It's fine. See, for me, I feel like it's more than fine because they captured him. He escaped, captured him, escaped. I feel like there was no other. They felt there was no other option. He had to be taken out because they could have. He could have easily took him in, but there was no other option. And just how it went down, I feel that it was a fitting end to someone that probably would have gone on to turn more bad than good. Really? You think Billy would have went uh, full two-faced on us? Yeah, I, I really do. So huh. it was one of those, you either take them out now or pay for the consequences later. Hmm. What What is what is that uh, line at the end of uh, The Dark Knight? Uh, Live long enough to see yourself become the villain? Yep. So. I'm thinking just of the story, and I'm thinking more of just the lines. There is something very cool about him backing into the, like just the whole story of him backing into the moonlight, into the doorway, saying, KNS, KNS, and then Pete in the background saying, LS, and then. He's gone. Right. I'm not going to say this is a bet death we're going to come up to. Um, I think it's half a point worthy. I think it's a cool story, but the overall death, he was just kind of shot. Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's, let's go with a, a half a point. Full point for that round, which gives us our first official full score. Billy, out of 100, kind of, basically 100, he scores a 68 point one which out of one puts him in the lead i'm sure i'll be happy to hear that hey good job bill you did it so now we're going to go on to our drafting so now we're basically drafting them onto our team both of our rosters will consist of 20 members the rest of the people on the list so that would be uh 35 will go into the free agent pool where if we wanted to as we thought about it 
go into pick up one of those people from the free agents. We can drop a, t- a figure off of our team and pick up a free agent. Otherwise, that is the team that we will have going into the final draft, if you will, against who is the best figure. So the coin flip will decide if I get to choose first, if I want to keep or get rid of Billy the Kid, or if Eric goes first, he will decide if he wants to choose or they will automatically be bumped to my team since obviously we don't have each, neither of us have anyone right now. It'll get a little more interesting once we each have a full roster. All right. So I have an official Dakota Territory Centennial Celebration from eighteen from 1961. On the front, there is a covered wagon. Can we agree that is heads? Yes. On the back, it is a 50-cent mark for a beer back in 1961. I, that is I, tailed. Who's calling it? You're calling it. I am flipping it. Tails never fails. What is that? Uh, heads. Yeah, it is. You know, I think I'm going to take him. I'm going to I'm going to take a reach and I think I'm just going to draft Billy because Matt doesn't think he has the best story we're going to run into and I can't wait for him to win this entire thing and prove Matt wrong. Uh, I see the jokes on you because if I would have won, I was going to pass, so it doesn't matter. You were going to pass on Billy the Kid? No, I, I honestly was going to take him for the simple fact that I knew you liked him. So I, wa- I didn't want you to have the chance of picking him up. But so, yeah. I, I do think he is going to go pretty far in the overall um, ranking. Oh, it's strategy. He is a big He is a big name. We just talked about legacy. There is fewer big names than Billy the Kid. So that'll be fun. So... I guess that kind of wraps up the first episode. Nobody died except for Billy. Well, m- m- multiple people did die, but I mean, it ultimately stopped with uh, him dying. None of, it wasn't us. We did a thing. Uh, we have 75 more people to go. So we uh, hope you stick it out with us as we journey to the West and figure out who is the most... Well-known figure. Infamous and notorious. Um, As always, um, if you like our podcast, please subscribe. Uh, We will be hopefully, you know, putting out an episode. About every other week, I think. We um, also have an email, um, ranking76pod at gmail.com. Please shoot us an email if you what you liked, what you didn't like, what we um, can improve on. That would be great. You can also like our Facebook page, which is Ranking 76, an American West podcast on Facebook. It is a private group mainly to keep out uh, spam. So you do have to answer like two questions to make sure that you're a human being. But uh, we'll accept you. I promise. We look forward to uh, going on this journey with you guys. Um, As always, I'm Matt. And I'm Eric. Um, We'll see you next time. Goodbye.